going to keep saying it, folks. I'm not going to keep saying it. You know. The show is here. The show is now. The Ham Palace has begun. Okay? It's only been a couple months. I know you've missed me. That's all right. Guess what? I got a new mic. Condense. A little condenser mic here. Very nice. Got a little pop filter on it. It's beautiful. It's got a little stand. It's great. We're going to try it out. Oh, we're going to try all sorts of recording methods here at the Ham Palace. Wow, a lot has happened. A lot has happened. Um, just trying to keep the doors open over here. Uh, it, it's hard for a man to make a podcast these days. Seems like they've raised the rates on the monthly fee of uh, having a podcast where you have any kind of uh, back episodes. So... It might not be forever, folks. My back catalog, I think I got over over 20, definitely over 20 podcasts there. Some of them are darn right uh, timeless, if you ask me. Um, some might be a little dated, but I, I got to tell you, most of them are entertaining. They're insightful. They tell you something about the human condition, about my human condition, uh, about the appreciation of our pop culture. Yeah, yeah, so uh, I might do something where I put the back episodes on a little CD, DVD, or and I can mail them out to you if you really want them. Maybe we can, uh, you know, send me 75 cents and a free Suzy Q. Maybe we can make that happen. Other than that, I might have to shorten the back issue uh, catalog until I get a little few more listeners. A few more listeners, okay? Got to grow this audience. Got to make it grow. And uh, I can do that because when I'm on here, I'm being myself. I'm being my good old nature self, and that's what you get, my personality. First topic. It's, uh, it's a pretty amazing year. I'm making it an amazing year uh, before I turn, uh, turn the 4-0. Um, I have gone to the Great Lakes uh comic con uh, actually it was i think it was this year earlier this year yeah there was one in warren warren michigan and uh i had a chance to check it out really close to where i lived or where i live um and uh it was a neat little show in a gymnasium at the college there and i really enjoyed uh checking it out i met the uh, one of the animators on he-man uh, I believe his, I think his name is Bob Cook, if I remember right. Um, really neat talking to him, super nice guy. Uh, talked about working uh, in California and uh, and in the animation studio there. And, um, well, anyway, I noticed there are some local people and some non-local people at the show. Uh, I signed up for one of their uh, emails to see when their next show would be. I came to find out that their next show would be, actually by email, would be at my old church, my old school where I grew up. And uh, I'm like, how can I not go to this one? And so I got a table 
cheap table. Real cheap table. Only 55 bucks for a table. Usually these tables go for $100, $200 or more, depending on how big the convention is. Like, well, I got to start small. And, uh, you know, I was lining everything up slowly but surely with my uh, Rage Comics uh, issues one through three. We're nearing uh, completion as far as printing goes uh, or went. And, uh, yeah, I got them printed just in time. I put a little uh, pedal to the metal, or foot to the pedal there, and uh, I was able to get them all printed out just in time, put out 20 free issues, rage number one, get people's foot through the door, and uh, maybe get some more readers on uh, old uh, movingslow.blogspot.com where uh, a lot of my rage art is and uh, anything rage-oriented, you know, uh, I'm going to put links there for ordering my comic online. I'm going to put a link to IndiePlanet.com where you can uh, order it, have it uh, mailed right to your place. Um, but I had a great rate at the show, only $0.75 cents an issue for Rage 2 and 3. That's a show only. That's a show only uh, rate there, folks. You're not going to get much cheaper than that. The whole story arc, whole story arc for under $3. First issue, 3. First issue was free. And, um, you know, it was great. Um, basically, my logline was, uh, this is Rage. He's a bear from another planet. And uh, he's trying to protect the Earth from uh, a villainous army that destroyed his own planet. And, uh, yeah, an army of jackalmen. Uh, that's probably the easiest, simplest way of putting it for me. And I uh, put my little sign up there that I, I, I painstakingly uh, made from foam board and uh, printed out a little uh, picture of Rage standing up heroically, triumphant, triumphantly, with his sword out, and uh, Rage in bold letters, and uh, a little bit about Rage. And, uh, yeah, I made it work. I made it work. Um, I put a nice little... Uh, tablecloth out that my mom you know she let me borrow and uh yeah family showed up uh much love to my family and uh, friends and and people that supported me on facebook and um shout out to dean stall who gave me advice of how to uh put all the comics out how to organize everything and uh what to have there i drew some uh i drew three commissions three commissioned art i drew um, sandworm, a sandworm from the movie Beetlejuice, uh, with help of a reference, um, for a, uh, the recently deceased handbook, at the, one of the guys at the show was uh, having the artist draw something from Beetlejuice in each page. I think it worked out good for him. And then, I drew a Spider-Man, uh, which I don't always draw Spider-Man, but once in a while I've practiced drawing, you know, the webbing design on his outfit. And uh, there it is. I did a little pen and ink. Took me about, uh, about a half hour. And then I did something, a little drawing for my brother, which it is, you know, done and waiting for him to pick up. So I made a little bit of time, a little bit of something there. I made my money back, at least on the table. Uh, am I still in the negative? Yes, because I printed out the money that it cost to print out the comics. And I did, you know, t eat the cost because I lowered my comics down for the show substantially, 75 cents an issue. And, uh, 
anybody runs into me in person, 75 cents an issue. Or if uh, if you're cool enough, all right, I'll give it to you for free. Depends <laughs> how close I have. I know you. Maybe work something out. I don't know. But the most important thing is that we that you I get people reading and checking out the comic and either asking me questions or, you know, hey, what's this all about? Um, that's cool, too. Look, uh, this podcast is about comics as well as movies, as well as life lessons. So, you know, this is this is a little comics here for you, you're getting that. Um, so nostalgic, uh, being in my own, uh, the, the gymnasium where I uh, played a little bit of basketball terribly. Um, or, and you know, looking at the stage where I, you know, went up on there and I, I think I did, I think I, I did some kind of play for the church at one point. Um, yeah, yeah, it brought back memories and it was neat and, and it was surreal to have a comic con in your home, uh, gym, school gym. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was unusual, but it was cool. Everyone was really cool there. And, uh, you know, passed out some business cards, got to print some more. Um, had some good, earnest conversations with some of the uh, hopefully new fans of mine. Um, yeah, so uh, Rage, issues one through three, will be on IndiePlanet.com. Check on my blog when they're going to be available, probably within the next week or two. Um, uh, we're, uh, we're in late July now. Movingslow.blogspot.com. Movingslow.blogspot.com. And uh, check there for uh, updates, okay? Moving on. Moving on. Um, oh, well, before I move on, I don't know who uh, who's ever had a walking taco. You know, I had a chance to try it out at the convention and uh, or the, the expo. Uh, basically what I got was a... Uh, these kids are coming up and asking me if I had a ticket uh, for the food, and I'm like, I had no idea what they're talking about. Later, I found out that the uh, that all the dealers get a little, I'd say, a hot ticket like we used to have in school. To uh, you, you get the hot ticket punched, and then you get your your hot food, you know, in the cafeteria. But in this case, the hot hot lunch was a walking taco. This is a taco that comes in a bag, and uh, it's all kind of weird. I had sour cream in there. Probably shouldn't have asked for the sour cream because I ate a big spoonful of sour cream first, and I dug the spoon, <laughs> the spork or whatever it was. I think it was just a fork um, into the beef, and at the, that was at the bottom, and the and the tortilla at the bottom. It wasn't terrible. It was just a different way to eat a taco, all scrunched into a Fritos bag. Um, but yeah, much love to my brother and my mom and my aunt Betty that showed up. Um, I had a great time at this uh, expo. It went by too fast. I brought my ukulele, uh, but I didn't get a chance to play it because I was drawing so darn much and talking to people. So it, it worked out. My only my only regret is that I didn't really get the cha uh, chance to check out the convention itself. I got there a little eh, a little past deadline. That's because I had been up all night working on the stuff for the table. Um, but next time I'll definitely uh, be there on time, if not early, uh, for the show opening. And uh, yeah, uh, a lot more people were there than I thought. Um, when I got there, my table was uh, 
already uh, full of someone else's stuff, so I had to kind of work something out there. <laughs> hey, that's on me. That's on me for getting a bit there a little bit late, but I still made it happen, folks. I still sold some comics, um, which was amazing. That was great. It was beautiful. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I had a great time, and uh, I, I'm think I, I might be the next show might be in uh, Madison Heights, Madison. Madison Heights, uh, it's close to me too. So, TV shows, before I go on to movies, I'm just going to splurge into TV. Um, some of you may or may not know, I'm a big fan of Twin Peaks. Um, really, I got into Twin Peaks recently, within the last five years. Um, Netflix, uh, watching some episodes on Netflix, and uh, I think it was the DVDs, you know, and uh, I wanted to check it out and give it a try, because I think I'd have, I had watched, like, one episode when I was a kid, maybe half of one episode, but it was too too weird for me, too odd, too out there, too eccentric, too, uh, too, too a lot of things. Um, it was a bit of a soap opera, too, which is tough to watch when you're a kid. But I got a chance to catch up to it and appreciate David Lynch through the years through his movies. So I think that drew me back to the series, too. And, uh, you know, after watching Blue Velvet and uh, Mulholland, uh, Mulholland Drive and uh, all those other wacky movies, I'm like, oh, sure, Lost, Lost Highway. Um, like, I, I, I got to try Twin Peaks out. So the whole series on Netflix... What a marathon that was. Um, the second season, the first season's amazing. Second season gets a little out there, um, and it's a long one. But it's got an amazing cliffhanger that I'm like, oh, that's too bad they ended it there. You want to see what happens next. I'm not going to give you too many spoilers, but spoiler warning, you've been warned, okay? Uh, now, season three, season three, now, you got to realize, when I heard that season three was being made, there were some rumors, and I'm like, man, it was so weird, because after watching the Netflix series, I'm like, man, I wish, I just wish there'd be some kind of conclusion to this to the show, to the series, and it, it really seemed like only maybe half a year after that, maybe even less than that, it was answered, that, that need was answered by... You know, David Lynch had been has been uh, talking about uh, approaching, uh, I think HBO or some other station, uh, television stations about bringing the series back, and then the rumors went back and forth, and then eventually came to Showtime, and they were going to work something out, and it was being an expensive show, but they were going to give him a shot, and I, I was just like. so flabbergasted by that. I'm like, I can't believe they are going forward with this after. Over 25 years, which was so weird because maybe that's how it kind of came to be because uh, David Lynch and Mark Frost are talking about, oh, it's been 25 years, and that, you know, that was one of the um, lines in the show that one of the characters says um, to Cooper, I'll see you again in 25 years. It's amazing. It's amazing how... Things can kickstart old shows by being replayed and reruns. 
And really, Netflix, in a way, is kind of like a rerun factory. Where a lot of shows uh, get seen again. And it kind of breathes life into those shows. Um, that says, hey, maybe there's an audience here again. And uh, I just think that's amazing. I, I went out and I bought the, the DVD set of, of twin, the original Twin Peaks. And, uh, yeah, I really love it. Um, there's not enough I can say about the new season. The new season's so much like his new movies, or his, his movies, and a little bit less like the old show. Um, uh, you know, I'm, I don't want to go into too much, into too much, because even by talking about one episode or the premise, it kind of spoils some things if you want to go back and check out the old show, but... Hopefully my enthusiasm gets through this. And, um, yeah, uh, it's it's dark. It's on Showtime, so they can take it to places where it's a little bit, you know, a little bit of nudity, a lot more gore, some swearing. All the places that the original show couldn't go because it was on uh, ABC. And uh, it's neat. What they're doing, they're taking a lot of risks. There, there's a lot of artistic choices that Lynch is making that I feel he pr he's probably losing his audience. But uh, I think he's he's doing something so unique and so off the wall that we'll be able to come back and watch this years later and be like, wow, that is... He took some chances there <laughs> on these characters and this storyline. And he take, he's taken some real risks, moving uh, losing a lot of mainstream, if there are mainstream uh, fans to this. But uh, even as a fan, it's like I can honestly say I don't know where this is going. I don't know where it's going, but in a, a kind of a good way. They're bringing back the old character slowly. Um, Cooper has a nemesis in this that comes back, uh, and uh, he after you know here's a spoiler here after being kind of locked away in kind of like a uh, kind of a. a an otherworldly kind of prison he comes back and I'm not going to tell you how he comes back but it's a beautiful thing um, now dealing with the fallout of him coming back and his villain is arch you know is I won't, I won't spoil it but um, dealing with, with that is uh, something that he's going to have to reckon with and uh, a lot of the characters are coming back and a lot of them don't have that many lines, but it, it's all being delivered a lot like his movies. And there are some comedy, there are some comedic lines in there too, but it's interesting. that we got about six episodes left to go, 18-episode run. He ends each episode just about with a song, a musical interlude um, at the end of it that ends in the, the Bang Bang Bar. So he'll have a band go up and play some song that, uh, David Lynch wrote and um, so it's 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 a funny neat way to end each show um, David Lynch plays a uh, character in, in the show called uh, Gordon Cole uh, Gordon Cole uh, was one of those characters that he kind of you know inspiration came to him and uh, I think on the set like before the show, the the character had been talked about, and they were going to get some actor for it. They were testing out some kind of piece of audio gear 
on set, and the guy on the other line of the uh, uh, speaker was was uh, yelling really, really loud. And David got the idea. I'm like, that. He, he's like, that's that's it. That's golden. He's like, I'm gonna use that. How about this guy talks like this all the time? And he, so he developed this really. Whenever you talk to him, he talks like this. What did you say? And uh, even about anything, you know. Oh, it's a really nice day out today. Like he'll he'll just ready if he's standing in front of you. And uh, so anyway, so I guess the the main idea is that the character is, is kind of deaf or going deaf, and he he has these uh, uh, buds in his ears that he uh, you know speakers to hear hearing aids, and he turns it up and turns it down by this little uh, compartment he has, but on his pocket to control it and uh he's kind of like cooper's uh boss that he reports to and uh he's just he's in a lot of ways he's stealing the show he's kind of because he's he's being he's 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 uh on the search for cooper and trying to find him again and and he's really kind of he gets a lot of screen time but he really he does a great job with it and it's neat to see his character back and uh, doing something a bit more important and more in the forefront. But every, everyone else on the show is excellent. Everyone's doing their job and uh, just doing a, a great job at making everything suspenseful. And I think they're giving it everything they have with uh, limited uh, the limited lines that they do have. But it's a zany show. Things you, you'll never see coming happens. It's all about a show. There's a lot of metaphors. There's a lot of sim- symbolism. That it's everything's a mystery, and you kind of have to see where it goes, or you try to guess things, like oh this can mean that if he puts his hand on his head there, or that the color of those shoes means something it means it's going to be a a bloody night, or you try to tie in what you can. So I guess if you like that kind of thing, it's a show for you. All right, enough about that. That was a big tangent about Twin Peaks, but. I'm sure I'll uh, so, uh, I'll add a little bit of that as as I go on in the, in the other shows. Movies, movies. We have uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming. Now I put this off a little bit because, you know, the last Spider-Man kind of ticked me off, missed opportunities, and I really didn't like what they did with Green Goblin. And uh, yeah, and the one before that, uh, the Lizard. W- the lizard had a terrible design. Now, not to say that those last two movies didn't have their moments. They had some. They had some good moments. Um, uh, the last one had Gwen Stacy, and uh, they had some cool parts with him uh, trying to save Gwen Stacy, Gwen Stacy, and all that, and making that work. But it got too soap opera-ish, I think. It got too dragged out. Yeah, I don't know. You just didn't care enough for Gwen Stacy like you should have. And then the one before that, yeah, terrible design on the lizard. But Andrew Garfield was excellent. I I, I have no problems with how he played the character, really. Um, so this new guy, Tom Holland, uh, takes over, and he's a lot younger. He's His character's 14. I don't know if he's 14 in real life. He might be a little bit older. But uh, that's great age. I love being 14. Oh, I can identify with it, and Tom Holland's good because he doesn't look too young, and he doesn't look too old. He looks just the right age uh, for a 14-year-old, which is nice, and uh, he really pulls off a good, modest Peter Parker, 
uh, very likable, uh, very realistic teenager. Um, and then his Spider-Man's really funny, and then the charismatic, and uh, yeah, it's a it's a good one to kind of start off. They don't mess around with the origin; they kind of get right to it because they, a lot of it's established from Civil War uh, with Iron Man uh, taking him on. Uh, to the Avengers, they kind of use that as like the origin, and they kind of, you know, they there's a lot of Stark tech involved with his web shooters, and uh, so they're kind of redoing it in a way, and it's nice. It's nice that we don't have to go through and do a retread on the origin story. So, um, Michael Keaton, great villain, steals the show. He really does, and. Um, the, he makes the vulture work. He's got this jacket with the uh, fur around the fur around the uh, the top of the coat, which is a nice nod to the original costume. Um, uh, the costume's very high tech, and uh, it, they make it work. It's very kind of like an Iron Man kind of like suit in a way, with goggles and a headset which he sees out of, and and, and he can fly fly up to things and and glide and. He's got other, uh, uh, like, he can get underneath a, um, a plane and attach himself to it and kind of uh, drill himself through some kind of material. There's a lot of tech, uh, alien tech. There's a, yeah, that was kind of interesting. And it, it works that they use a lot of the alien tech from uh, Avengers 1, from the crashed aliens, and they, they take all their uh, stuff apart. And that's how they're able to, to make all these things. So the Vulture... His history, his origin gets rewritten quite a bit. They take some liberties there. But it it works. It does kind of work. You know, because Keaton's such a good actor, he, he's able to pull it off. He's got some good lines. Um, Peter Peter Parker ends up dating his, uh, his uh, daughter. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's funny. Marisa, Marisa Torme... Tomei is uh, Aunt May. I'm still not. I'm still kind of shaking my head on that one. Uh, but I mean, she she does what she's supposed to in it, and she's a supporting aunt and worrisome aunt. And yeah, I still don't. That's really off the wall casting. And there are a few off the wall casting choices. There's a Flash Thompson um, in it who he's just kind of like ah, I. I wouldn't see that person, uh, that, that that actor, as being that that character. Um, a lot of them are the characters in spirit. Uh, MJ, you know, she's not. She's very uh, under the radar kind of a character in this. Um, they don't really use her name till the end. Uh, so they're doing some new things with the characters, as well as uh, you know. The people being cast as these characters is, is kind of a, you know, it's a new thing. Um, but I tell you, the whole thing works overall really well. And I was di really digging it in the whole flow, flow and momentum of the story. Um, I, I knew it was, there was rumors that it was going to be pretty good. It had, it had good vibes going into it from Civil War. And uh, that was a good build up. So great job on that one. I give that one probably a 9 out of 10. You know, not much to really get on it about. A little bit a little bit about the casting. Uh, I wasn't kind of too happy with, so it doesn't get a 10 out of 10 there. But 
who knows? Maybe they'll make it work in the next one uh, with those characters. Uh, well, the next movie I'm going to talk about is, you know, I, I'm trying to play catch up because these movies been out for a little bit. Uh, War for Planet of War for the Planet of the Apes. Uh, I've been watching these movies uh, ever since, uh, you know, Ra- you know, Dawn of Planet of the Apes. Um, and and rise and um, like I was really skeptical about the the whole reboot and the redo of this, but uh, after seeing each movie, uh, and I was really skeptical because I'm not really the biggest James Franco fan, but uh, the first one is was was not bad, and then the second one after that is excellent, and this one it really proves that they know what they're doing as far as the writing. Um, the animation of the CG on the, on the, on the apes are, I was watching the shots with the orangutan and I'm just kind of like, that's a real orangutan for all I know. That looks so real. Like there's nothing I can say on that ape that looks fake or phony. Um, the, the facial expressions are perfect. So with a lot of the apes and then the emotion they're trying to get across, uh, this is it's amazing and the storyline works it gets a little slow it becomes kind of an escape film um so you got to have some patience with it uh woody harrelson is 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 outstanding as always in the and he uh plays a good villain in this and kind of he, he comes to an existential crisis uh that you don't really see coming and what i love is that they're bringing it back to that same kind of Twilight Zone moral consequences and um, conundrums that a lot of the characters in, uh, came across in the original series, and they're staying true this, to that spirit of this violence solve, you know, this good violence versus bad violence. I mean, if you take on the people that harm you, is that the way to go? And it becomes it all becomes existential after a while on both sides with the humans and the apes side and who becomes who's the villains who's the good guys is the situation the villain it gets really uh ape versus nature ape versus man ape versus ape kind of thing um but uh yeah just excellent andy circus amazing as usual just knocks it out of the park um, with the voice and the the facial expressions of Caesar uh, leading the whole uh, team of apes, and uh, I, I really loved it. I think that was an, that was an excellent movie. I give that, yeah, I give that a nine out of ten. The only reason it's not ten out of ten, eh, I could have used a little editing just to keep it keep the flow moving, but that's eh, not really that bad. Uh, excellent film. They the, so if they do the next one. If they do do a next one, it's going to be Planet of the Apes, which is going to be amazing because they've introduced some of the characters that are in the original Planet of the Apes, um, such as Nova, and how she got her name was was really really fun and interesting, and uh, I'm interested to see uh, Taylor in the next one if they go ahead with it. Um, but yeah, this is proven to be an almost as successful as the original series. And this, the original series isn't perfect. Beneath the Planet of the Apes is a really weird one, but they kept going with it. 
and they had a few, uh, you know, conquests of the Planet of the Apes, uh, which I liked a lot. Um, all of them are very entertaining to watch, and uh, they all have something to say about uh, humanity and, and the human condition. And I was thinking, that's that's why I love fiction so much, is that it's so easy to say amazing and potent truths about our world and our place in it and how we interact with everybody. There's more truth that can be said through fiction than actual, you know, true story stuff. Not to take anything away from true stories, but you can just hit the, hit the hammer on the nail when it comes to metaphors and, and real truths that uh, we, we undergo as a society and as people. Um, when that's done well, it's like, pfft, it, may, it really makes you think about decisions that you make and how you view things and people. And uh, really cool stuff. Um, I mean, I, you know, you can just look to, like, the Twilight Zone. Um, even some episodes of the Night Gallery. Um, I watched uh, Ray Bradbury's old show. There's just all sorts of, like, Star Trek, the new and old, all the lessons that you learn through all that. Um, that's why I was thinking, you know, Dunkirk's coming out. Should I go see Dunkirk or should I see... War of the Planet of the Apes. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to go see War of the Planet for the Planet of the Apes because I just like fiction better. I mean, I just, I just, I just do. I'm partial to it. Um, Dunkirk, though, I'm like, I'm going to go see it. It looks great. Uh, Ken Branagh, I love watching him act. Um, he's also going to be in The Orient Express, which I'll go see. Um, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to a Chris Nolan movie I always try to catch in the theater. His you know, his movies are, are theater movies. And uh looking forward to it, man. Um Well, I think I touched on everything. I, I my life lesson. My life lesson I can squeeze it in here, um and it's from the movie Excalibur. And uh I believe there's a scene where Percival is talking to uh, Gala Galahad, Galahad or Galahan, I think one of the other knights, and uh, they're like uh, he's got Percival and he's shaking him and they're in water and they're and uh, he just been mortally wounded or wounded really bad, and and he's like he's like Percival, Percival, do you have it? And Percival's like the Grail, I had it, but I I. I lost it. I it was in my hands. I failed. And he's like, Percival, Percival. And he gets real close to me. He's like, ah, never give up the quest. And that, that stuck with me. It's just that that delivery, that tenacity of like, never give up, never give up the quest. Never give up the quest for the Grail. And uh, that Grail can be the dream in our lives that we all have. That we figured, ah, it's too late for me now. I'm such and such age. No. No, you can go for it. Never give it up. That's If that's what you want out of life, you go for it no matter what. You take the steps. And even if it takes a long time, you keep taking those steps. You keep checking those boxes. You know, off your to-do list. Of do this, get this. Hey, tonight this podcast was on my to-do list. And I'm getting it done. I'm going to put it out there. And, uh, you know, it's been a couple months. And, uh, you know, 
you know, hard to make those uh, podcast payments, but uh, I was able to do it. And uh, I'm going to keep doing this as, as much as I can. And uh, as long as I have the money to afford this monthly rate, like I was telling you guys, I might just go down to a lower rate and just have not so many back issues. Anyway, I'm getting off the subject. Never give up the quest. Never give up the quest. That's the life lesson. Okay? God bless. Love you guys. Long days, pleasant nights.